What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. Not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears. Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the full go. Love the full go. The full go. The full go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Welcome in to episode 332 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. This thing is presented to you by FanDuel, brought to you by The Ringer, and of course, Spotify is the gang. Fresh home from a Bulls loss to the Indiana Pacers, my guy Herb Lawrence from CHGO Sports is uh, hanging out with us on this pod, and one of my favorite people, not just in the business, but in life, period, get to end the year with a bang, my guy Herb. And don't worry, Sox fans, we'll we'll get to the Sox at, at some point here in this conversation but herb always good to see you i need to start this thing off and set the tone because i now know that i have reached the other side of bulls expectations y'all know where i was about a good 10 12 pods ago where i was like the sky is falling this shit is cratering you know what y'all had me watching college basketball out here trying to figure out who could help the bulls and which 20 year old is out there in the big east that can help the bulls next year then all of a sudden they started playing Playing to a different standard, right? They start the expectations rose. Next thing you know, Kobe White is being talked about as an all-star and most improved player. Uh, you, you got you got uh, 20, 20 games from Andre Drummond. You had that stinker on on Christmas Eve uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
But man, 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 y'all already know where this is going. The man Tyrese, how I don't care who your favorite Tyrese is, whether it be Tyrese Gibson, okay? Hell, you could throw a Tyreek in there. I know Tyreek Hill's out here making y'all believe that he is the MVP of this NFL that we've watched this year, which is hilarious to me. But if your favorite Tyrese isn't Tyrese Halliburton, you need not talk to me ever again. Ever again. Now, Stacey King jumped straight out the window tonight and compared him to Magic Johnson, which is, you know, hey, chill, stay, chill. You know, it's okay. It's okay to say you just got beat tonight because that's what happened. But Tyrese Halliburton, 20 assists on the night, no turnovers, hadn't been done against the Bulls since January 6, 1989 by one John Stockton. That's great company to be in. Tyrese Halliburton took over a game for two and a half quarters. There was a half a quarter lull where the Dale and Terry game was getting ready to happen. And oh, by the way, yes, we have arrived at that point in the NBA season where the Dale and Terry game almost happened. And I was watching this game in the studio with KG and with Will Purdue, and it seemed like the Bulls were out, but they were down 25 points. And this is not one of those games where it's like, oh, you know, just shit happens. No, they were getting their ass beat, right? And it wasn't just because they were just hot shooting pacers out there. They were getting caught up in some of the same situations they've been caught up in the first 15, 20 games of this season. Bad coverages, bad recognitions, uh, getting cross-matched, switching so easily. And I don't want to be the get-off-my-lawn dude when it comes to NBA basketball, but the amount of switching that takes place in the NBA is egregious. Absolutely egregious. There's like five or six guys that you need to be scared of in the NBA right now. Other than that, what the hell is everybody switching for? Everybody is 6'4 to 6'8. Everybody out there is on a weight training program. Everybody out there knows the Scott Report. All this switching that takes place, next thing you know, you got two guys going at one person. Swing, swing, you get yourself an open three-pointer. Now, I don't know what the hell's going on in Indiana, by the way, with Rick Carlisle. Buddy Heal and Ben Matherin are coming off the bench. Now, this could be a stroke of genius, where it's like we're going to attack another team's bench with two guys who could be starters and one who definitely should be a starter in this league in Buddy Heal. But they got 34 points out of those dudes in second rotation play. Like, there were certain things that happened in the Bulls game where I'm like, you know what? This is still is the team that we've come to know it to be. Outside of Kobe White going crazy for the month of December, this team is seriously still flawed. It's still flawed. You know, we, we, we got the little shot of adrenaline. You talk about the play-in and all this other stuff. The expectations have risen, and they should stay there. There's nothing that should be accepted in a win that you wouldn't accept in a loss. And I think over the last, you know, week and a half, there's been some things that have been acceptable. I want to say this. When you get up by one point, after, after coming back from 25 points down, the last thing I want to see and the last thing I want to reward and celebrate is 32-foot jump shots from the bull's horn because you got shot clock violations on your head, right? 0 for 16. That's what Kobe White was over this last two and a half games or so from three-point land. He hits his first three-pointer from 34 feet away on the logo with the time running down, and I know the, the, the United Center went up and people started cheering. I looked at Will Purdue. I looked at KG. I said, this is unacceptable. They're going to lose this game because of how they were playing offense down the stretch. Now, if you want to go toe-to-toe, blow-for-blow with the Indiana Pacers offense, you're going to lose. But if you can pick your spots and be smart about it, like they were getting into their stuff so late in the game, and I'm like, why is the shot clock at 9-10 and you're, you're already just getting your initial movements in your offense? That team can't defend anybody. They they got up by one point 
And it's the thing that I've talked about with this Bulls team for the last three years. The Bulls love asking the game, have we played hard enough yet? And the last two weeks, they've asked that and then played a little bit harder, hit more shots, right? Defended at a higher level, played smarter basketball. The Bulls don't turn the ball over, by the way. The Bulls are one of the top three or four teams in the league at turnovers. So it's not that they were getting rid of the ball or losing the ball, dribbling the ball off their foot. The Bulls' turnovers are shitty possessions down the stretch. And the thing that changed was Alex Caruso started bringing the ball up a little bit more. Kobe White started bringing the ball up a little bit more. You know, Javon Carter started bringing the ball up a little bit more. And then you could rely on DeMar DeRozan in the fourth quarters of these games. Well, for whatever reason... Those dudes kept bringing the ball up, but they turned into DeMar. The ball started sticking, and guys were just standing around. Meanwhile, Patrick Williams has his most forceful game that I can remember as a bull. And I'm not talking about points. I'm just talking about Patrick Williams. Remember, he's fucking six foot eight and 235 pounds. And then down the stretch, there's a foray to the basket where he flips up a layup attempt. And I'm sitting there like, break somebody's wrist at the rim. Make somebody pay for trying to block your shot at the rim. Like, there's still steps that this Bulls team needs to take. And y'all know what this season is for me, right? Whether Zach comes back or not, whether they trade him, whether they trade DeMar, whether they trade Alex Caruso, everything we should be watching as Bulls fans right now consists of those kids that are on this squad. It's about Dalen Terry, Kobe White, and Patrick Williams, and whoever else you want to throw out there. Julian Phillips, when he gets time, I like what I see from him. He's a fish out of water right now just trying to figure out the NBA life. But this could have been the Dalen Terry game. Like, Dana Terry comes in the game and changes it with his energy. Now, I will say this, y'all. Up until tonight, and tonight we're standing, to be honest with you, I've had questions if Dana Terry is an NBA player. Like, what do you do materially that will change the outcome of a game and affect it with just skill? Now, Will Purdue mentioned this in the postgame show about Motor being a skill set now in the NBA. And he's right. He's right. And we saw Dalen Terry's motor change that game. All of a sudden, Dalen Terry gets in. That, that lead gets cut down to 11. And then Dalen Terry, in, in, in a stroke of youth, drives to the hole and flexes on an Indiana Pacer that made the score Pacers plus 13. Now, in that moment, I looked at one of the members of the crew in the studio and said, you don't do that. You don't do that. Because the Pacers are getting ready to roll over, I think, for you anyway. And all that happened was the next rotation, Rick Carlisle said, that's enough of this shit, looked down his bench and told Tyrese Halliburton, hey, you played hard enough, but the subs are fucking it up. Get back in the game. And what Tyrese Halliburton do? Tyrese Halliburton hit three threes, assisted on three other threes, had two steals, and dominated the game down the stretch. Y'all want to talk to me about all-star appearances. Y'all want to talk to me about most improved player awards. Y'all want to talk to me about all these other things. We've been watching basketball far too long as a community here. And I've been, and I've been covering this thing since I was 20 years old, going back to the Berto Center, riding up and talking to Jamal Crawford about him putting JC 500 on his bins and removing the S template. I thought it was the coolest shit in the world when I pull up and I see he ain't driving the S 500. He's driving a JC 500. He must be cold, right? Like that's how, how long I've been around these dudes. We've all seen this happen before. We've all been in the open gym. We've all been in the rec league where everybody's having a good time. And then the boss show up on the floor and shut shit down. And that's exactly what Tyrese Halliburton did. And he does it with a flair that pisses you off. He does it with a flair where he's smiling. He's not a dirty player. You know, don't worry. 
It's going to come around to the other side, the same way it did for Steph, right? Remember when Steph was everybody's little light-skinned favorite, you know, little, little, little boy out of Charlotte, you know, shooting jump shots out of Davidson, knocking down shots, and then all of a sudden, he, he, he got to that superstar status and you started to hate him. I think that's coming for Tyrese Halliburton, not, not in the Steph realm, right? Steph is one of the greatest of all time, but Tyrese Halliburton plays with a flair and plays with a... Um, an attitude that if you're on the other side of it, you hate it. And that's what he did to the Bulls. And for whatever it's worth going forward, I don't know what the Indiana Pacers are. I think they're a little light in the ass, right? I don't think they have functional enough bigs. I think Miles Turner is a tall guy. Bamani always talks about it on his pod, tall guy versus big guy. They got a bunch of tall guys. Jalen Smith, you know, I'm glad to see him finally reach his, you know, maturity in terms of his body. Because coming out of Maryland, you couldn't tell me that that wasn't going to be a lottery pick. Like, they got a lot of guys on that team who were young somewhere else and have come into their physical and maybe basketball emotional maturity in their fourth and fifth year. Obi Toppin is out here extending his game to the three-point range. So Rick Carlisle, credit to him, because Rick Carlisle is one of the more uh, rigid coaches in the NBA. He's rolled the ball out and allowed these kids the responsibility of, hey, if you're going to win this way, then you better win. And they've won. They had a rough stretch over their last eight games coming into this game against the Bulls. You thought the Bulls might be able to kick them while they're down. But that Pacers thing, you talk about winning trades, hey, Demonis Sabonis is a fine player. Fine player. Don't get me wrong. And I know Sacramento needed a big. But, man, <laughs> Tyrese Halliburton is the truth. And there are very few players that I talk about with this kind of reverence. Right? I love NBA basketball. I love basketball, period. But there are certain guys who change the dynamic of an entire organization, change the dynamic of the people that are playing with them. You know, I remember seeing Lonzo Ball at UCLA. And this was a UCLA team that if you go back and take, they were fighting. There was infighting on that team, that Ben Howland era, where they were just bringing guys from everywhere, transfers that didn't really get along, and dudes were fighting in the locker room. Lonzo Ball gets dropped in that group after Ben Holland. Next thing you know, for one year, that entire culture changes. He's out there going to the Sweet 16 and playing against the aforementioned De'Aaron Fox. So one guy can do that to a, a, a program. One guy can do that to an organization. And when you see a dude where the light comes on and you know he's not even close to being the finished product yet, man, had 20 assists, no turnovers. And it's not the first time that he's done that this season. The 20 assists part, yeah. But you go back and look at his game logs. There's a bunch of donuts in that turnover column. So you're telling me the dude has the usage rate that he has. He's got the shot that everyone tried to change coming out of school, but repeatable mechanics, right? Like, not everybody's going to look like Ray Allen and Klay Thompson shooting the basketball. Ask Reggie Miller and some of these other dudes who, who are up there in the annals of three-point shooters. They tried to change his shot. They tried to say he was too light in the ass to play point guard on the NBA level. And all I know is that dude, if he's not going to be the starter for the Eastern Conference at point guard, he's going to be on that team because it's the whole city. And all I think about anytime I see Tyrese Halliburton, and it's not fair to Patrick Williams, I understand that. I am putting that out there. But all I think about anytime I see Tyrese Halliburton is that draft and thinking to myself, before Lonzo Ball became a, 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 a rumor, Right? Because the Bulls were trying to track him down before they got him out of New Orleans. Before that, before DeMar DeRozan came to this team, Tyrese Halliburton and Zach Levine was the backcourt that I envisioned in my mind throughout that entire draft process. So in a three-man draft, a supposed three-man draft, and the fourth pick being the Chicago Bulls, 
it will stick with me for the rest of my time as a Bulls fan that that dude right there at a need position could have been a Bull. And he comes back and kicks the Bulls' ass in a game where, I, listen, Kobe White, you're at the top of the scouting report now, player, right? Like, games like this, when you're fighting it, these last two, three games, look at Kobe's shooting statistics. Maybe it's legs, right? Maybe it's, you know, lulls throughout the season. And he's been doing other things. He's been rebounding. He's, he's, he's been a playmaker. But don't take for granted the fact that his energy and his relationship with Nikola Vucevic uh, on the pick and roll, pick and pop, pick and fade, what it does for Kobe's offense. And also, Vooch is a connector. There's so many bigs now who, you know, I watch Phoenix Suns games a lot when I can. Yosef Nurkic has turned into a connector. And that second pass and that guy kicking it out to the corner, kicking it out to the wing. Vucevic has been that guy since he's been a bull. And the guy who has definitely benefited from that this season has been Kobe White. You know, those, those games with three or more threes, was it 14, 15 games in a row? Go back and see how many of those assists came from Nikola Vucevic. So now the relationship that you have to have as a lead guard when you're finally getting your groove and feeling good about life, that big man goes down. Andre Drummond has a 20-20 game. I love Dre, but Dre's not the passer nor the versatile piece in an offense where you can pick and pop, pick and fade, pick and curl, pick and roll, all those things the way Vooch can. So the offense kind of, it gets it, it gets um, simplified in a way that that extra pass that you know is coming from the big isn't coming anymore. So now you got to create off the dribble. And a lot of the stuff that I saw uh, against a team that is porous defensively, that late shot clock shit, that can't happen. There was too many possessions, and, and I know he hit one, uh, <laughs> like Stacy said, from Waukegan or from Naperville, from the Bulls horn, from the logo. That was a shitty possession. That was a possession where you got the ball with five seconds left on the shot clock and you're dribbling at half court because nothing has been materialized in your offense. And then the next possession, they got themselves a shot clock violation. So, yeah, I, if I'm talking about this as if it's some playoff game, trust me. Well, one, I got some great news before the game. And y'all will never know about it. Y'all will just see my smile for the next, I don't know, 11 years or so. Shout out to my guy, Jay Sue 7 But all I know is I'm watching this team with a different standard. And Bulls fans should too. And, and they should want this. They should want the, when, when you spit the bit against Cleveland the way they did, I don't want to hear about the, the holidays and tickets and, and worried about buying gear. You ain't good enough to worry about none of that shit. You're not good enough for that, okay? You're not good enough for Max Struess to, to, to dunk on your big man, kick him in the dick, and he'd be out for two weeks now, right? You're not, you're not good enough for Gary Porter Jr., whoever the hell that was playing point guard for the Cavs to put 19-7 and seven on your head. You're not good enough for that, right? So enjoy the, the way they've been playing, but also hold them to the same standard. This was a game tonight. I know they came back from 25 down. The moment they got that lead, they should have settled down and been themselves. What they do, what they did was revert back to, okay, hot potato, stand around, watch. Who can hit the toughest shot? They're not good enough for that. And when you're not good enough for that, you end up with losses like they did against the Indiana Pacers. Now you get to go back-to-back against the 76ers, right? You get to go up against the Knicks team where you know Tom Thibodeau is crazy as hell, so he's going to have everybody out there for 42 minutes plus, right? Jalen Brunson already got issues with everybody from the crib, right? Jalen Brunson stay mad and look for things to get madder about. His dad was on, on this team. His dad was a member of the coaching staff. Do you trust me? 
you know, Jalen Brunson, this is the same man who left his final high school basketball game flipping every fan in the stadium, the bird. If y'all remember, Chicago high school basketball legendary shit. Jalen Brunson, last game in Stevenson, player of the year in Illinois. Everybody can get these, right? So you know that man is going to come out here ready for war. These next three or four games, we're going to find out. Injuries, Torrey Craig, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic. Poor play at times, poor shot selection. But find out how tough the Bulls are. When you're hitting shots, it's all good. You know, like Michael Jordan said in the last dance, you know, everybody can talk shit when they up. Take a real man to talk shit when he behind the tide. And right now, I think this thing has been reset, big picture-wise. These couple of losses, not only to the Cavaliers, but also this one to the Pacers, they shouldn't sit well. Shouldn't sit well with the Bulls, shouldn't sit well with Bulls fans. And it's a good thing, that because that means the expectations and the standards have risen to where we're not just talking about Patrick Williams scoring in double figures. Patrick Williams had 20 points tonight. This is fourth time he's had 20 plus, plus points in a game. He had 22 against, uh, against, the, uh, against the Pacers. And I still think Patrick Williams could have played better. Like, this is where we need to be, y'all. No matter if we're watching the Bears, the Blackhawks, the Cubs, or the team we're getting ready to talk about in the White Sox, the standard should always be the standard. And I don't mean to take that from Pittsburgh and the Steelers and Mike Tomlin and damn sure don't mean to take it from Joe Cowley, his little ass, you know, because he's going to take credit for anything he can. Shout out to Joe Cowley. When I see you, it's, it's on. You know, Joe Joe gave my lady a, a compliment that felt a little uncomfortable in the media room. I'm just being real with you. You know what I mean? He's he's a little white man. You know what I'm saying? I was, it just it came off in a way that, Joe, I wasn't comfortable with. You my man, 50 grand. I hug you and I love you, but I'm definitely going to have to give you a little chest shot if I hear it again. Man, had the nerve to tell me, hey, tell your wife I said uh, Merry Christmas. Like, who the fuck you talking to, white man? I said that loud and proud in the media room. Everybody looked around, and everybody's like, oh shit, is, is Joe and Jason about to get into it? They know that's my man, but you also know, Joe, hey, be easy. Be, be easy. Don't have to Nancy Kerrigan your ass in the bowels of the United Center. I don't want to have to do that to you. <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the lady. From, tell your lady I said from hello. Fr- no, from Friday, tell your daddy I said hi. Ah. He's the yeah, white yeah. man that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, he, he saw he saw Pia on the on the uh, on the broad, on the game broadcast. And he and so first thing he said, man, your lady is fine. And whenever you, you know, whenever somebody said that, you know, like, oh, thank you, brother. Right? And then you're sitting there like with the Arthur fist just trembling. You know what I mean? My hands just trembling by my side. And then when I'm leaving to go do the damn post-game show, and Joe, hey, by the way, tell your wife I said Merry Christmas. I'm like, all right, Joe. All right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's be easy. Let's 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 get out of 2023 without a hate crime being committed. Like I don't I don't want to have to do that to you. But shout out to my man Joe Cowley. He knows I love him. Uh, for the, he covers the uh, the Bulls for the Chicago Sun Times. If you're not aware, he is one of the main irritants in this city, and uh, he almost came up missing because you know he he you know he dancing on he dancing on thin ice. Joe, shout out to my man Joe Cowley. But yeah, Bulls fans, keep these standards. Keep these expectations, even in the season, <laughs> that might not amount to much. Uh, a city that might not amount to much is a Cleveland. Uh, but a city in a season that, should, that, that might not amount to much, you got to keep the standards, right? You got these dudes keep these standards. 
and these soft ass media members kind of ease up on them every once in a while or people like to hey but they did this no 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 the only way this thing is going to get turned over is if everybody understand what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and for the first time in a couple of years i truly believe when people are talking about things that aren't acceptable on chicago teams namely the bears and the bulls we'll see if that uh holds true into 2024 We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. You know where we're going with this. We got Bears, Falcons at Soldier Field. Final home game of the season, I believe, for the Chicago Bears. We got a same-game parlay for you. The casual betting brothers have come together. And by the way, if you were listening to the Thursday night parlay that we had for you, guess who came in? Guess whose parlay came in in the first half? Shout-out to our guy, Steven Berger, a loyal listener of the Full Gold Podcast. He pointed that out to me via text messages. So you, you should be listening to the casual betting brothers is what I'm trying to get across to you. All right. We got three legs, same game parlay for you. I'm going under. That's right. Under 191 and a half passing yards for Justin Fields. It's been a struggle. You know, he's been running the football a lot lately, but I don't know if this Falcons defense is going to allow for a great aerial day. I think the bears might win this thing by running the football. So I don't know if we're going to see the, uh, the, the aerial theatrics from Justin Fields. And we got a couple of anytime touchdown scores for you. DJ Moore is one of the anytime touchdown scores. And for the Atlanta Falcons, we got Drake London. So there you have it. Three legs to a same game parlay. The under for passing yards for Justin Fields, DJ Moore, and Drake London as anytime touchdown scores. That's right. FanDuel Sportsbook is where you need to be. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like this live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find the most popular parlays, or you can do an old-school SGP with three legs or more like I just gave you. So visit FanDuel.com slash FullGo. That's FanDuel.com slash F-U-L-L-G-O, and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus best that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Hey, it's Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. And now we bring in, just ladies and gentlemen, and and for the 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 listeners outside of the city of Chicago, I'm talking Chicago broadcasting legend, uh, 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 not just a friend of the show, but a friend in real life. One of my favorite people that I have ever come across in this business. Uh, he and I uh, cut our teeth at 670 to score low those many years ago, and we still cashing these broadcasting checks to this goddamn day. My main man from CSGO Sports. He is none other than Herb Lawrence. Herb, how you doing tonight, man? Doing really well, Jason. Thank you. We're far too kind on the uh, broadcast legend. No, nah, you already know what it house. is, Herbie. Come on. That's no oh, shit. Neither am I, Herb. Come on now. <laughs> you know, I, I'm about to have to go take out some some trash as soon as we're done with this pod and probably, you know, do whatever, you know, I get I get told to do. So Yeah, you know me. I ain't calling no shots at the house. Oh, no. Nah. When and we're stacking checks, it's like I'm losing. 
That's it. That's yeah. You know, shit. Hey, I already told you. I I told her. I told everybody. Hey, I can't wait to be stabbing Graham out here. I cannot wait. <laughs> Kidding me? I can't wait. I, I I'm a, I'm gonna flaunt it. I'm gonna flaunt it. Stabbing at the life. No uh, kids. What? No what? kids and Oprah. Mm. Oh, you out here. You know what I'm saying? It might be the black Kevin Federline before it's all said and done. Kidding me? Because I'm damn sure I'm, you know, I'm 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 gonna be the, the reverse gold digger out here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna catch you slipping. I'm gonna catch you slipping. I'm gonna hide them pills. But man. that's neither here nor there, ladies man, and gentlemen. Man, was calling uh, Kiki Palmer's ex-husband and it's like, hey man, you messing hey, up the game. What you doing? What you, what you doing? What you doing? I, I laid out the, I laid out the blueprint for you, man. Come on now. Just, just what are you doing? City boys could be up 50, but you out here getting in your feelings. You know what I mean? Let Usher dance with your girl. You know, go buy yourself Please. a new Range Rover. Please, you Jesus. Simple as no that. regular dude. Let Usher grind up on your girl. Who cares? Well, take it easy, Herbie. Take it easy. I don't, <laughs> like, they can't, can't do all that. You know, let, let Usher dance and sing to your girl. Herbie out here wilding the fuck out already. Oh, Herb, good to talk to you, man. Um, All right, let's start out with the bad news first. Mm-hmm. Um. Martin Maldonado, Tim Hill. Mm. Um, you know, her, I, we've been around this thing for a long time. And I remember even listening as a kid to the score and hearing people. I'll never forget when Mike Dicker went down to coach New Orleans Saints and people were lying their asses off, calling the radio station, talking about, oh, I'm going to be a fan of New Orleans Saints now. And maybe I was like, you damn liar. And then every five years or so, there'd be the conversation of, oh, this city's big enough. What if the, what if the city got another football team? Would you, would you be something besides a Bears fan? And people would call up and lie their asses off about that. This is the first time, Herb, that I can remember a fan base threatening to not be a part of this thing and meaning it like when I talk to Sox fans once that anger and emotion is gone like any relationship like any relationship once that once that anger and that emotion or that passion whatever you want to call it that fire once that is removed and people start speaking from the heart like I think Sox fans have been for the last couple of years where do you think this fan base is at and where, what position do you think the Sox have put this fan base in? I think this fan base, is, like you said, it's at its wits end. And some have already jumped ship. And like you said, there's been a lot of veiled threats for other teams. And then you know that's not with any actual sincerity. White Sox fans are done. And I think it's a culmination of a lot of things. Firstly, Jerry Reinsdorf's relationship with all his teams is kind of abusive. He thinks that his way is the best way, even though he's on the White Sox for 40 plus years, one championship, I think only like four playoff appearances in that time. So like he thinks that winning that one championship gave him carte blanche for the rest of the, his career. Then you get the whole rebuild thing where it was working. You're at 2020, you're about to get to the precipice of what you're working for, for those four plus years. And then the pandemic happens. In that pandemic, I think people also turned off their, I don't give a damn, life is short. And they really realized that life is short because people are dying all around them. So they're like, you know, this team finally is getting close to where they promised us. And now we're going to the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Cool. 2020 was a success. 2021, we win the division. Awesome, man. We're, We're there. We're doing their thing. And then you go into the 2022 with outsized expectations of, yeah, we've been to the playoffs two years in a row. 
it's time to compete for the AL now. It's time to go to the next level. And that right. fell flat. And you go 500 that year. And so it's like, there's anger there. And then you're thinking to yourself, and I know I thought to myself, 81, 81 in 2022, that's a fluke. That wasn't real. Remember the years before, we were really good. Pretty much the same players are back. So 2023 is going to be back to normal. Absolutely not. 61 and 101. So there's where the anger hits its peak because of all the things that happened this year. Think about it. You got Lucas Giolito, very popular player, gets traded. Same thing with Lance Lynn. In the month of August, you get a fan getting shot, Tim Anderson getting knocked out, um, the two guys, Kenny Williams and Rick Holland, getting fired, and then them replacing him like 10 days later with a less qualified person in Chris Getz. So fans are like, yeah, we had a shitty year, and I'm glad you fired these two guys, but you hired a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. Like, mm. And then we get embarrassed on national TV with him getting knocked out. Like, yeah. all these things, you can't even wear your gear anymore without somebody clowning on you. And, you know, you're used to the fan-to-fan interaction, but right. just a regular person like, mm, Tim Anderson, that man getting knocked out in your team. 61 and 101 in the worst division in baseball. I will be done too. And the White Sox have not reached out to their fans and said, I know this has been bad. I know you guys want more. We're going to do more. And they haven't done that. No Sox Fest again this year. And White Sox fans, most of them, have canceled their season ticket holder or season tickets and are not trying to go back until Jerry Reinsdorf is not the owner anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Where, if you could, where was the fork in the road? for this team in terms of, all right, this is, this is a move that led us down this path. Like, is it the Tony La Russa stuff? Is it um, the, the affinity for the Kansas city Royals and, you know, the Pedro Grifo hire, like what, what could you point at like five years from now? What do you think you'll point at in 2020 or 2021 and say, this is why we're here in this moment. Chris held that and I did a podcast called Locked On White Sox mm-hmm. in 2020. After the White Sox went to the playoffs with the Oakland A's and fired Rick, Ricky Renteria, we're like, okay, I'm not a fan of firing managers because I don't think they have much say in the actual wins and losses of the team. That's why I believed at that time. And so when they hired Tony LaRusa, it signaled to me that this is no longer Rick Hahn's team for good or for for better or worse. I had my problems with Rick Hahn because I think he was a underqualified general manager that got a lot of shine for doing stuff that a regular general manager would have did because he was good with the media. But you let him continue his journey and what he believes is the best for the team. At that time, and it's still thought of, Tony LaRusso was hired because Jerry Reinsdorf wanted to hire him, not because Rick Hahn wanted to hire him. And so I think that created a chasm between the team and ownership and Rick Hahn specifically because he got usurped. He tried to, as it was reported after he got fired, he tried to resign multiple times and Jerry Rice sort of didn't let him. So you have a person that is not interested in the job that he got not doing the job anymore or not doing it with a hundred percent effort and desire to win for this team because he's trying to leave because rightfully so he got usurped his any man or woman 
that felt like their time was coming and their job is taken away from them by somebody else that's above them, they're going to be feeling a certain way. And so Rick Hahn can't do like us and move and go to the same similar job somewhere else because Jerry Reinsworth is the chairman of the board pretty much of MLB. So he would block them from going anywhere else. So that was the part where you're like, we're doing the change the game thing with Tim Anderson. Then we're bringing in 78-year-old Tony La Russa, who's already shown a, 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 he hates Colin Kaepernick, showed up that he had a second DUI. Like all the things that you don't want, all the off-the-field stuff from your manager was Tony La Russa. And you got this young, fun team that turned into a tedious, air-proof or air-bound team every damn time. And so it's not necessarily 100% Tony Russo's fault, but that was the time where you like, there's where the White Sox went down. That is the exact point where they were ascending, even though they won in 2021 with Tony Russo, but you could see it wasn't the same. They weren't the same fun, happy, home run hitting team that they were before. And so now that's the shell of that team is still left over without Tim Anderson. Tony Russo, weirdly enough, is still with the team in an advisory role because Jerry Reinsdorf can't quit that guy, even though he deserved to get fired after 2022, which is a terrible year. Like, I know that Tony Russo stands are going to be like, no, they won the 2021. I'm like, that is the point where everybody changed. Fans, the players, everybody changed because when you hire Tony Russo, that's for championship aspirations that's all it could be for he's 78 he's not there to win divisions he's there to win championships and it didn't happen and that's why you get the team that you have now yeah it seemed like uh jerry reinsdorf and the powers of b thought that that team was manager proof so throw a bone to your homeboy and you know you could bury switzer this thing get yourself uh, an al pennant and all it did was uh crater this organization and and put a real dent in the fan base that I don't know. And, and that's the other thing too. I want to, well, I want to speak to Sox fans psyche now because you, and, and as you mentioned, Tanny, former producer right here on the full go, uh, doing a great job at 670 the score currently, like there are about three or four Sox fans who I, I not only respect, but I listen to when they speak and you guys are two of them. And just the, the wind that seemingly has been taken out of the sales of Sox fans, you know, the CHGO Sports White Sox podcast with you and Vinny and Sean. And like, I, I listen to you guys. And, you know, for me, baseball was a sport that I had to teach myself, right? My, my you know, I, usually your baseball is handed down paternally, right? By an uncle or a dad or something like that. And sometimes maternally, right? You know, got an aunt out there or, you know, a, a cousin who played and and they teach you the game. I fell in love with the White Sox, one, because growing up on the North Side, you know, everybody was a Cubs fan and I thought that they were just cooler, right? And, and then... 90s roll around, early 90s. Next thing you know, I got Wilson Alvarez, Alex Fernandez, Jack McDowell, you know, Jason Beret. And then, of course, on the hidden side, got Frank, got Ellis Burks, got Rob Ventura, right? You got, you got real players who are ready to take this thing by storm. And then the strike happens, and you're like, all right, what, what could have happened then? But 
the White Sox thing for me has always been something that has, and I want to say it like this because I don't want to diminish the importance to me, but it's always felt, you know, um, like leasing with an option to buy for me. Like Bears and Bulls, no chance. Like that, I'm going down in the flames with those teams. But with the White Sox, it's always felt like, hey, give me something and I'm there for you. And then I hear guys like yourself and Tanny talk about this team in a way that there's real like heartbreak. Um, where do you think the Sox fan base is? And if so, how can this thing be turned around? Because I've heard about the Dylan Cease trades and I've heard about, hell, I've heard about Lewis Robert being out there uh, as trade fodder. How do you turn this thing around to get White Sox fans back in? Because Chris Getz is not going to endear that kind of confidence no matter what happens. Um, what can the Sox do and not just getting out their own way, but making a way for a fan base that's, that's just begging to, to be rewarded? I think the main thing is spending, like make a choice, either spend money on free agents and be that team that's in a big market with a bunch of teams that are small market teams in the AL Central and bully them, or be the Tampa Bay Rays where you just develop talent very well. Like pick a lane. Uh, I always go back to the Mike Amontrout thing where he's talking about half measures. Mm-hmm. The White Sox love to do half measures. Oh, look, we're dipping our toe a little bit into the free agent market. Here's yeah. the highest paid White Sox ever. It's Andrew Benintendi for $75 million. What? Hit him? That's the highest paid guy in White Sox history? Okay. And then you get the prospects that you're thinking, okay, they're going to develop these guys and they're going to be going from not even good at all to all-stars. Tim Anderson kind of got up there. Then he fell off the table. Andrew Vaughn has never been up there. And it's all mostly because of their fault where they're rushing him from single A to the majors, taking that jump with a year in between where the pandemic happened where he couldn't play baseball. And so you're taking that player and his development and you're speeding it up and then putting him in the left field and right field where he can't play. He's a first baseman. Same thing with Yoan and Aloy and Luis. <coughs> Their problems are injuries. And so there's a lot of half things going on with the White Sox. They haven't had a right fielder since Avi Sale Garcia. And that's like 2017. Like their right field position has been the worst in baseball. Like since then, last year, it was the absolute worst. And so you can't win where you're not hitting home runs. And then the positions where you're supposed to hit home runs, third base, first base, left field, right field, you're getting very little. And catcher, you're getting almost nothing. And so this offseason, you don't get any good people where people are like, yes, we're back. Like you, Jerry Reinsworth, even before free agency said, we're not going to be in the Shohei Atani sweepstakes. What? Like telling me that before you get into the sweepstakes, tell me that is means you're not a serious contender. So pick a lane. If you're going to be that cheap team, be that cheap team and put all that money into analytics, research and development. Make sure these players, when they come up, they're ready to play. They play the White Sox way of baseball. Or you say, F it. We're going to just do the Yankee thing. And yeah, we'll develop talent. But when we need to supplement somebody, 
that money is going to be spent all the time because Jerry Reinsdorf is just sitting on a bunch of money at his house. He can't take it with him. We'll give it to Michael after he passes, but go out like Mike Illich with the Detroit uh, Tigers. He's like, I'm going to try. I'm going to throw all the money I have at this Tigers thing. If it works, it works. It doesn't, it doesn't. They didn't win the championship. They went to the World Series. Mike Illich dies a champion. He dies like a champion of the, of the fans of Detroit. And that family load goes on, and they trust that family because of his dedication. Jerry Reinsdorf, when he passes, I'm not wishing for his death, will be a villain for the White Sox fans because he's all he's done is terrorize this fan base with trying to finish in second place and trying to get more money out of us instead of trying to win. And it's such, it's not even that hard to get these White Sox fans. You sign one player, like they go out and sign Teoscar Hernandez, who is the biggest ticket name besides Cody Bellinger. You get something. White Sox fans are like, okay, here we go. We can maybe win the AL Central now. And it doesn't take that. It, doesn't, it takes that. That's a $100 million contract for Teoscar Hernandez. That's it. Yeah. Speaking of the Tigers, as we wrap this thing up, man, um, I think uh, the final nail in the coffin for a lot of White Sox fans was the Jason Benetti situation. And I spoke about it at length on this pod. Um, to have that kind of voice in your stable and to allow it to go not, a, not just elsewhere, but in your division. Uh, so now he could be the soundtrack to a Detroit Tigers team that you know may win something sooner than the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I just thought it was Bush League. Uh, I, I thought it was second class. And for a team that's been fighting for um, just front page headlines, um, local respect, and you know, being the second team in this city has kind of been like a badge of honor and a badge of, you know, like, you know, the, the big F you to Cubs fans and, and things that, that Sox fans sometimes wear, sometimes appropriately so, and sometimes inappropriately so. I just thought it was, just thought it was lame. It just felt lame. And, you know, we're, we're, we're two kids who got a chance to live out some of our dreams. We, you know, you find your dream gig. And, and I tell my kid all the time about like figuring out what you want to do at an early age and hopefully getting paid for it and feeling like you never work a day in your life. Like Jason Benetti's dream gig was to be the voice of the Chicago White Sox. And he got it. And on top of that, he's one of the best national voice. Like this dude is getting ready to be on some Bob Costas shit in his career. And for him to leave the way he did and for him to have the class that he had and then talk about it afterwards, um, it was just it was just the uh, the cherry on a shit Sunday that, that the last two years have been for White Sox fans, for me at least. What did what did that instance uh, or the latest example of, uh, frankly, futility uh, do for you as a White Sox fan? Um, it just pretty much stamped of thoughts I've already had before and just pretty much stamped it with a lot of force. I don't want to say his name, but the person who did this firing on the marketing side, we all know who he is. I don't want to be getting your show in trouble. That pretty much essentially let Jason Benetti go. And also before that, let Hawk Harrelson go. These people don't have good words to say about him. When I'm set up in that booth with uh, Chris Ranji and other people. And subsequently I've talked to other people who worked under that time. And I said, man, 
this guy is just being too sensitive. He used to call in to Mitch Rosen and complain about us producers and about our tweets and such. And so I'm like, for this to happen and all the aftermath of Jason Benetti's um, departure from the White Sox to go to the Tigers too, like you said, that was um, pretty much sealed what I thought about that guy, that he's a bad, bad guy is a, a, a term that I'll use, but I don't think he's the actual, actual bad guy, but he has too much power and Jerry gives him way too much power. And as you said, Jason Benetti and Adam Amin, we live in this town in Chicago. We had the two young guns in this town that are nationally recognized as great play-by-play men. And we just let them go. Well, Adam's still here, but I said a couple of years ago, let's appreciate that we got these two guys working for the Bulls and the White Sox. Because I think, and Lawrence says this all the time, I think Jason Benetti is a great Major League Baseball player, or, uh, play-by-play announcer, but he's a fantastic basketball announcer, especially at the college level. And so we got that guy that people recognize as one of the standards of play-by-play. And he said, mm, we don't like that. We don't like that you miss games to work nationally to get our brand on a national stage every time people see you. Jason Benetti, oh, he's doing this game? I hear him on the White Sox. Cool. I want to go and check that out, too. Like, he's doing free advertising for you, and he's good at this job, and you pushed him out. For what? For who? They haven't even replaced him yet. Like, if you get somebody in the, in the wings you like a little better, God bless. But Jason Benetti, you said, hey, get your ass out of here. And by the way, we'll see you 12 times a year, too. The first game that he does as a Detroit Tiger play-by-play announcer in a regular season game will be a guaranteed rate on March 28, 2024. The White Sox are a terrible organization, and the, partly the reasons because they let people like that control their narrative. Like Jason Benetti and any person that works the White Sox in media, they're just trying to further the team and trying to give you the information in a White Sox lens. Like he never said anything bad about the White Sox. And you know, White Sox people, they got to stay, you know, pretty damn neutral, even when the team is bad. Like Chuck Garfine, I don't know how the hell that man does it because bad team last two years, he broke a couple times. But for the most part, that man was positive as fuck on these White Sox. And that's what Jason is too. Jason is great. He can tell you what's going on without being too forceful and embarrassing to the White Sox. He has plausible deniability when he does break bad on them. And to let him go, I I don't know why they let that dude do that, but something's got to be done about his power in the White Sox organization. I don't know if you got calls about him, Jason, back of the score, but uh, yeah. we used to get calls all the time from that man complaining about us. Yeah, I didn't get those calls, Harvey, because you know me. Right? You'll call back. I don't follow. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't follow a lot of rules. So when when rules seem to be broken and etiquette uh, seems to be thrown out the window, and I'm doing better these days at not matching energy. But yeah, that, there's, that was a different time, and you damn sure didn't want to do that. No goddamn White Sox broadcast with me. We was losing numbers when they was on our oh airways. Oh my god, losing. 
lose. I'll never forget, man, when we got the Cubs uh, and I was uh, renegotiating my deal and they wanted people, the, the powers that be at the score, wanted to take the Cubs numbers out of my deal. And I was like, wait a minute, hold the fuck on. When when the White Sox was stinking up the goddamn joint, y'all never asked me, did you want to take these numbers out of my shit? So please believe, go Cubs go, will be playing in the background when I hit every one of these motherfucking <laughs> bonus numbers that I'm about to get. Y'all check goddamn my, I'll never forget. And who's the big tall dude that was running the, the, the uh, station at the time? Tim, I forget yeah. his name. Yeah, I, I said that in a meeting with him and he was like, you know what? When you're right, you're right. I was like, hot damn, there it is. For the first time in my history as an employee, management thinks I'm right about something. So yeah, I, I feel you, Herbie. God damn, I was hoping that I feel better about the White Sox after talking to you. I knew I wouldn't. It's not going to be good. It's going to be worse than this next year, Jason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah it's going to Mar- be way worse. Yeah, Martin Maldonado doesn't move the needle. At all. At all. Shout out to Tim Hill. Uh, I hope he gets a lot of lefties out. Uh, but shit, I'm going to have to read about it the day after. As Eric cause... Beverly used to say, Tim Hill, average name, below average game. <laughs> Shout out. That's there's no better way to end it right there than to mention a legend while talking to a legend. Shout out to our guy Ebev. Hope it's all good with you, Eric. Herbie, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Every time I get a chance to see you, every time I get a chance to talk to you, uh, you are one of my favorite people in this city. Please know that. And uh, we're gonna send everybody your way. Make sure you guys check out the CHGO Sports White Sox Talk Podcast, and the rest of their pods as well. You know, they do a great Bears one. They do a great Bulls content as well. Shout out to Big Dave and our guy Matt Peck over there. But our man Herb Lawrence is the one you need to be checking out as you uh, you drown your uh, sorrows and listen to uh, some White Sox talk. Herbie, appreciate you, man. Happy New Year to you and the family, brother. Happy New Year to you, Jason. And you know I feel the same way about you, brother. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Herb Lawrence right here on the Full Go Podcast. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Garth. Oh, yeah, we got Bears-Falcons coming up on Sunday, huh? Uh, A little barn burner, huh? Desmond Ritter and Justin Fields switch jerseys at halftime, you know? You do the... You used to see the jersey swap at the end of the game. You're like, hey, why don't you just go ahead and give me a, what, 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 what number does Desmond Ritter wear right now? What, number nine or something like that? He ain't going to be wearing it for long. Go ahead and get that up. Bijan here, meet, meet the new quarterback for your team that's playing for the Bears right now. I, man, if there's any game that I am not looking forward to, it's these last couple of Bears games right here. It seems a fait accompli. We out here watching Caleb Williams like tweets and what does he mean by that and what's what's going on? Like, don't worry. This thing is done. Like, this thing is a wrap. Unless, unless somebody comes through kicking the door, waving the 4-4 with a trade offer that, that makes Ryan Poles' head and Bobo Nike spin, right? Like, if you mess around and Ryan Poles gets a text or an email saying, hey, and I heard this, by the way, shout out to Adam Hogue. And uh, Adam Johns, the Hogan Johns podcast, one of the ones I listen to uh, for my Bears info just to hear the guys chop it up. But I think Hogue threw out there, what if what if the Raiders say, hey, three number ones and Max Crosby for the number one overall pick? And you look around and you say, all right, how how much development does Justin have to do? 
what's the real ceiling for just like something that'll turn your head it can't be some pick swap or you get one number one from next year like what if somebody comes through and just absolutely demolishes what you think the standard should be for a number one pick overall and that's that's the only scenario i see the bears keeping justin fields in the fold for uh future um you know opportunities i i i think justin fields is Already on another team. We just got to figure out what how the offseason plays out, who the Bears draft. Uh, but it seems a fate complete. It seems like these last couple of games are for, you know, for tape for his uh, his next team or his next place of employment. I could be wrong, though. I could be wrong. Could, could Ryan Post, could, could he stop coming to the locker room now these last two games? Because it's just awkward, like just looking at him, win or lose, right? Knowing that he's about to either fire the coach or get rid of the quarterback. Or the, or the offensive uh, coordinator. It's a bit weird him standing in the picture frame as my, Matt Eberflus is giving an inspirational speech about a win that they almost lost. Like, is it starting to get a little, like, uh, like could, could you just stay in the box, man? Hey, I, all I know is, Tone, that um, for the people who will be here, they know that they're going to have a general manager who's always around. Right, whether it's him running the steps and giving people fist bumps on the sideline or him coming down to the sideline or, you know, the box being in the box and the camera always catching him. It seems like Ryan Poles has heard all this talk about him maybe not having the most power uh, that an NFL general manager should or can have. So it seems like, you know, he's showing up in places not only where he could be seen, but also be felt by the players who he will be lording over for the next couple of years that will be on this squad, right? Like if you're Jalen Johnson, get used to seeing Ryan Pose. You know, if you're, if you're Tremaine Edmonds, get used to seeing him, right? If, you, if you're Montez Sweat, he, he broke you off a big ass check, get used to seeing him. Now, does that equate to winning? We'll see. We'll see. And, and, and speaking of winning, you know, I'd like to point out something that, the people who have been against Justin Fields the entire time, seemingly, you know, calling him a running back and all this other shit. Remember how often the Justin Fields has been the quarterback for a team that's lost 13 or 14 straight games? Remember how often that was brought up? How much have you heard about this last eight weeks or so in terms of the wins that they have amassed and then being squarely on the shoulders of Justin Fields? Like, how much of that have you heard where it's like, hey, he's been the quarterback? Because we love to put quarterback win, uh, wins, I should say, as a team, as a quarterback stat instead of a team stat. How much have you heard of, hey, man, you know, they've won five of the last nine with Justin Fields at the quarterback position. It's just been interesting to me. Like, what we talk about, how we frame things, and confirmation bias, and being prisoners of the moment, and all these other, you know, platitudes that we like to throw out there. Just been interesting to me that we haven't been talking, because Tyson Bajan, that era seems like three years ago now, doesn't it? Right? That was that was just two months ago, where people was like, I don't know. Maybe, just maybe, you got a guy who could run the offense. Next thing you know, the NFL's like, hey, if y'all don't get this motherfucker off the field, <laughs> take these losses and these bad interceptions This with is you. a guy that Justin can learn right, from. Right, right. Yeah, oh, look my at God. This. The most, we're going to talk about embarrassing moments in the final part of the year, right? You know, I got heard mentioned Tim getting knocked out, right? Like, there's, there's been some bad moments for the city of Chicago sports-wise, but I don't know if there was any worse this entire year. I'm talking about the entire year 
than the Tyson Bajan era where people were losing their goddamn mind and saying the dumbest shit they possibly could. A lot of motherfuckers who came from Division Two who y'all put in a bad position. That man was just trying to be on the Packers squad, get him some checks. You know, next thing you know, we digging up where he went to school. They're talking about his daddy being a wrestling champion or uh, was it an arm wrestling champion? All these, like, that man, we shouldn't have been combing over none of that man's life. And we had to do so because everybody thought that this was the next big thing. And all the NFL had to do was show you that it wasn't. So shout out to Tyson Bajan. I'm sure he's okay out of the spotlight, you know, getting ready to be somebody's offensive coordinator here in 12, 15 years, whatever the case may be. But haven't really heard that whole, you know, this has been a quarterback, you know, a a team that's won half their games over the last nine weeks because it's been quarterbacked by Justin Fields. Heard a lot of my test sweat, boy. This city boy loved to talk about a defender being the reason why you win in football games. You know why? Because all we've been used to is the goddamn defense winning football games for us, which is part of the problem, which is why we can't evaluate the process uh, the way we should as a city, which is why we can't call out offensive coordinators the way we should as a city because we ain't had one worth the goddamn for more than two or three years at a time in our entire fandom. So, yeah, uh, it's just been really interesting. Really, really, really interesting to hear. Oh, by the way, some of the finalists for this year's uh, Hall of Fame class, former Bears. Shout out to Julius Peppers, one of the greatest to ever do it. One of the greatest physical specimens I've ever seen or been around. One of the greatest athletes, I think, in you know the last 20, 30 years of professional sports. I mean, this man, this man was getting time on a North Carolina basketball squad that went to the championship game and won it. Okay, he wasn't just a football player out there playing. He was actually getting tired. I think if, if Julius Peppers would have applied himself to basketball and that, you know, $150 million, you know, all-time, uh, you know, uh, great defensive end career didn't happen, uh, he could have been somebody's power forward getting some tick. Hell, Terry Taylor running his ass around around the Chicago Bulls roster right now. And shout out to Terry Taylor. I didn't mean to take a shot at you just now. I don't know you as a person. Hope all is well. But I'm just saying, you know, Julius Peppers was that dude. And also... You know, one of the funnier things that I think in sports, in Chicago sports, recent sports history, where, you know, shortly before half, if it was a, if it was a big pass rush that was needed, yeah, you weren't going to find Julius out there on the field. Yeah, that's right. Julius Peppers always made it to the bathroom first during Chicago Bears home games. He had to move something. Whenever you ate pregame, you would always know that, hey, is that a backup out there? This is the end of the half drive. You know, you got Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Green Bay or somebody that they playing drive. You're like, hey, best pass rusher out there. Time to go hunt. No, no, no. Man, Julius was in the back driving the Charmin, making sure that everything was moving the way it was supposed to. So shout out to Julius Peppers and shout out to one of the 10 most electric athletes that uh, I've ever seen and I think the city's ever seen. And there's been a ton of them, right? You go from Cubs to White Sox to Bulls to Blackhawks. But Devin Hester, what Devin Hester was able to do for a good four or five year span of returning kicks and being an offensive weapon on special teams, uh, the man struck fear into the hearts of special teams coordinators and teams alike. 
Tony Dungy tells the story about making sure that they did not kick to Devin Hester the entire week leading up to the Super Bowl against the Indianapolis Colts in Miami. He talked about it, and for some odd reason, shortly before the game, Tony Dungy convinced himself that he was going to kick to Devin Hester, and next thing you know, Devin Hester was returning that thing to the crib. That was the only point in the game, before, during, and after, that I thought the Bears had a chance. I was in a garden apartment in Hyde Park, and I was watching that Super Bowl, and I punched a hole. I jump punched a hole in my ceiling because Devin has to return that thing to start the Super Bowl, and you couldn't tell me that the Bears weren't going to win. You could not tell me that the Bears were going to pull this thing out against Peyton Manning and that Indianapolis Colts thing. And then the next three hours, Jeff Saturday made sweet, sweet love to everybody on the defensive line of the Chicago Bears. Remember, Tommy Harris wasn't wasn't playing that game. Tank Johnson was embroiled in a whole bunch of mess. And Dominique Rhodes and, and Jeff Saturday controlled that game with screen game and interior running. Uh, we all know that Daniel Manning was blamed for blowing that coverage where Reggie Wayne, I believe, was just running free in the secondary. And then Lance Briggs comes out maybe like a half a decade ago and say, hey, by the way, I didn't get the call back there to Daniel and them, so it was on me. Meanwhile, we were killing the kid out of Albany Christian for from that moment to maybe about four or five years ago. So shout out to Devin Hester. Everything that he did as a Chicago Bear was exciting, uh, including the cars that he drove. Uh, shout out to him having the Gucci ragtop, bringing that Florida style to Chicago. He also had a purple old school that anytime you saw it, and every time I saw it, it was around Rock and Roll McDonald's. So, you know, he was keeping it real with the McDonald's diet, but also keeping it real with the with the, the coolest of old schools, uh, bringing that Miami, that 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 Florida boy kind of vibe to uh, to the Bears. If you remember correctly, Devin Hester was a corner. Devin Hester started as a corner for the Chicago Bears and there was a, I believe the first game was a Monday night game against the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams. And what Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce did to that man turned him into Inside Out Boy. You remember Inside Out Boy from uh, the Pee Wee's Playhouse show where, you know, he, he, his, his, his swing went over. You know how he used to jump off the swing as a kid? Well, in this cartoon, his swing went over the the uh the stanchion and and doubled over and it somehow turned him into an inside out boy that's what happened to devin hester going up against tory holt and isaac bruce in that game against the greatest show on turf devin had no business being out there as a corner by the way a rookie corner going up against two hall of famers a hall of fame quarterback hall of fame offense mike martz out there humming getting everything right with kurt warner and marshall falk they put it on devin hester and then they put his ass in wide receiver and from that moment on he was the offensive weapon that we saw so hopefully devin gets in we know julius peppers is going to get in but uh, a little bit of good news for Bears fans and the Chicago faithful as uh, we get ready. And by the way, Steve, Mi Steve McMichael, Mongo, uh, he's on the committee finalist for the Hall of Fame. Um, we know, you know, about Steve's health issues uh, down the stretch uh, of his life here and, and what he's battled with ALS. So, um, you know, hopefully for the McMichael family. Uh, you know, Steve gets in. Steve was a great player. I don't know if Steve McMichael, you know, in my opinion, was a Hall of Famer, especially with the defense that he played on with Dan Hampton and Mike Singletary and Richard Dent, who was already in the Hall of Fame. Then you go to Wilbur Marshall and Otis Wilson, some great, great players. So uh, he will he will forever live on in 85 Bears and Chicago Bears lore. But uh, shout out to him and hopefully getting the nod 
and hopefully the committee will have some, uh, you know, some empathy for the situation that he and his family have been under over these last couple of years. It's Chicago in the house. Let me hear you say yeah. Yo, you listening to the Full Golf Podcast with my man Jason Golf. It's your boy Dave Jeff. Holla at y'all. Much love. All right. It's time for us to close this thing on out. It's been fun. As always, we want to thank our guests. Shout out to CHGO's very own Herb Lawrence for uh, giving us the lowdown on what's been happening with the White Sox, not only this offseason, but also uh, for the last couple of years, frankly. Uh, how it's been a shit show on the South side. So shout out to Herbie. Make sure you check him out on CHGO sports. I want to say thank you to our production staff. As always the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the chief vibes officer himself, Chris Sutton, the dad, the myth, the legend, Tony Gill, and the exceptional one, Kyle Williams for the fellas. I'm Jason Goff. Thank you so much for downloading this thing. Thank you for following us on the socials. Thank you for rating and reviewing us, giving us the five stars you know we need. If not, we will see you in the streets. We appreciate you so much for hanging out with us. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call one 800 522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y in New York. All right, fellas. Talk to y'all tomorrow and Thursday. All right, boys.